The following podcast is brought to you by the Jonas Podcasting Network, found exclusively at wrestlingwithjonas.com. And welcome to another episode of Wrestling with Jonas, episode 274. And uh, if you're not watching a semi-final of the World Cup, you've got to be watching this. Uh, got one of the finest pro wrestlers on the UK scene in 2022. Yes, you do, mate. We've got none other than Sam Gradwell on the Wrestling with Jonas podcast. Sam, thank you so much. How are you doing? Terrible. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> you are a bit under the weather, but yeah, as I said, for the next 60 minutes or so, um, you're going to be you're going to be flying, but uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, I'd say before we get cracking, Sam, uh, for anybody watching or uh, listening live at home, please get in touch. We want your questions for Sam Gradwell. Just send them through to us using your chosen device, and we do yeah. our very best to uh, bring them up live on air, bring them up on screen, and do our very best to answer them before the end of this uh, live interview with Sam Gradwell. But uh, Sam, first of all, I'd say. Fresh off of your WWE run, you've been on the yeah. back on the Indies for the last few months now. Um, yeah. How how's yeah. that transition been for yourself? Uh, being back on the Indies the last few months, uh, we've definitely welcomed you back with open arms. But how's it been for yourself? Oh, that's nice of you to say. Yeah, it's been a um, it's been a pretty mad few months actually. Yeah. Because um, that change that came at like a really like transitional period in my life as well. Because. I've just welcomed a new daughter into the world. She's upstairs. Thank you. Thank you. She's uh, she's upstairs sleeping now. Hopefully she doesn't wake up. But if she does, then you'll all meet her. Um, the cameo, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never know. Uh, it's been good, though. You know, there's the, the landscape on the British Indies now is, like, totally different than it was. It's just a completely different scene altogether than it was when, you know... I signed with WWE five or six years ago. Um, it's also cool to see the guys that were just kind of finding the feet when we got signed and that are now just absolutely awesome. Now, like, I think I think I first met you in person when uh, I just wrestled Rob Drake, for example. And yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, he, he was literally just getting started when, you know, when, when I was getting signed there and now he's one of the top guys I've possibly ever wrestled. So, you, you know, uh, yeah. stuff like that's pretty cool. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know? And like I say, you was in the WWE system for five plus years. Yeah, and yeah. You're obviously benefiting from that experience um, and your time under the WWE umbrella, NXT, NXT oh, yeah, UK, yeah. and all the fantastic coaches and talent that you worked around. Um, but do you consider yourself a more rounded professional now that you've come back onto the indie scene um do you feel more confident and, and more comfortable in your ability as sam gradwell now that you've come back onto the indies yeah like me before wwe before nxt uk and now is just absolutely night and day i i will you know whatever people want to say about that about that system you know i yeah and by the way if anyone's tuning in in the hope that I'm going to say anything negative about that place, then this is going to be a very boring interview for you because I've got nothing but amazing things to say about my time there. Uh, I really, really did find myself within that system and specifically within the pandemic empty studio period. 
I yeah. really, really, you know, came to grips with who I am as a wrestler and who I am as a character and a performer as well. Um, a lot of that is in credit to, you know, we had a fantastic roster there, a fantastic set of coaches. Um, and also it was, there was something like really like strangely freeing about walking out there with no audience and not having to worry about, you know, the instant gratification of that. There was, you know, you were a lot freer to just go out there and just try stuff. And for me, it was just a case of being more genuine, just being me and, you know, being able to just showcase who I am. Yeah. So, but, but the yeah. thing is, I mean, you're also an actual showman as well. You know, um, you've got yes. charisma for days. Um, and like I say, not only are you a fantastic talent in the ring, but in front of a camera, in front of a microphone, you can turn it on, you know, uh, you know, as quick as anybody. Uh, so in that rather challenging environment of being in a studio with no fans, yeah. Yeah. I would imagine that you in particular would have reveled in that. Yeah, yeah. I would. Uh, one of the um, one of my favorite things about being in NXT UK was, you know, one of the times I think the first time that I really figured that I was onto something in with my promos and within talking and everything. That was just in a promo class at the performance center when I just decided to have a bit of a dick about one day. I it was it was kind of one of those really long days where. And it was quite late on at night and promo class would go on for a really long time because there was such like a big group of us. And I went, I went last and it was one of them where everyone's kind of like, uh, itching to get out, itching to get back to the hotel. It's been a, it's been a long day and everything. And I kind of just went up there and just decided to like make everyone laugh and just be me. And what came out was, and that was really like the groundwork for the character that I eventually became on TV. Because uh, that that was pos that was possibly the first time in front of like a large group where I realised that I could get reactions just being myself. You know, and that was that was a real like confidence boost. Yeah, 100%. you know, and that and that, and that, and that really really uh, that really carried over into what I was doing on TV. Yeah, and, and I mean, th there's been a little bit of uh, interest before we went live uh, on your uh, saying, uh, calling people yogurts. Uh, yeah. So, so, so would that have kind of was that just an inspirational spur of the moment thing? I'm going to call my next opponent I a just, yogurt. What was the story behind that? It just came off my tongue once. <laughs> it just it just came off my tongue once. I just, yeah, I just said it, and it kind of just it kind of stuck. Yeah. And then I, I said it. I think I just said it in one promo once, and then. People started, uh, people started tweeting it. People started, uh, people started calling at me when they uh, when they saw me. I thought, oh, do you know what? I'm, I must be onto something there. Absolutely. And well, uh, some, we some, to... some people, some people didn't get it though. Some people definitely did not get it. <laughs> there was the, uh, there was once, uh, <laughs> there was once we had a skull. So we call it skull class where we watch our, um, we watch our matches back with the coaches, and there was a. We were watching a match back with Shawn Michaels once, and in my pre-match promo, I called Wolfgang a yogurt, and Shawn just hit pause, and he goes, "Hey Sam, let me ask you something. Does yogurt mean the same thing over there that it does over here?" And I was like, "Yes, it does." And he goes, "Okay," and just press and just press play again. <laughs> just never, uh -huh. never ever referenced it again. 
Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, I know you'd have a good story about that. And uh, Juan, who's watching us from uh, Colombia, says uh, uh, yogurt is a great hey, phrase, still is a great phrase. And yeah, thank you I for agree. just. I We've agree. had uh, tons of people get in touch already. Uh, Call the Cali DeLorean, sorry. Uh, thunderstorm in the building, of course, of course. Yes, he is. Um, now, we have had somebody else get in touch. Now, before we went live, I, I, I sent out a post promoting your appearance, Sam. And uh, yeah, something happens. I, and I, right. I, can only I don't want this to rile you up. Uh, I'm going to bring it up now. I don't Go want on. this to upset you. And, and don't jump off the stream. Um, but uh, Brady Phillips uh, got oh, in touch go. and he responded. Uh, hi, Jonathan. My name's not Jonathan, but never mind. Uh, hi, Jonathan. First time <laughs> listener here. Yeah. Um, uh, please, could you ask Samuel uh, when he's going to thank me? I'll stop uh, you and Solve Pro right. are waiting. So Brady Phillips, Solve Pro. What's going on here, Sam? I, I don't understand. Add some context. Fill us in here, buddy. Right. I showed up at Soft Pro, like, for the first ever show. And... Shotty Horror is a great friend of mine. And there was no way he was going to have his first show and I wasn't going to turn up. So I came out, grabbed the microphone, and I just spoke from the heart for about five minutes. Everything I said in that ring, everything I said to that camera and to that crowd could not have been more genuine. There was not a single, not a single bit of that was scripted. There was nothing, you know, I wasn't speaking as a character. I was talking to Sam Gradwell, the human. And I did what, I don't think any other released NXT UK talent did, you know, when the place closed down. And I acknowledged the fact that while we were away, there was a whole crop of new talent, a whole crop of, you know, excellent talent on the UK scene that had kept the scene alive so that we had a scene to come back to. I thanked them and then moved on. And I made it very, very clear that whilst I appreciate what they've done, whilst I've been away, they have been rising through the ranks on easy mode. And to some extent, in fact, not to some extent, I'm being humble there. I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. And Brady Phillips, when he stands across from the ring, when he stands across from me in the ring and he looks into my eyes and he feels the spectre that is me and he feels my aura and he locks up with me, he will feel and know that statement to be 100% true. I know that for a fact. If he wants a personal thank you, if he's that arrogant, that conceited, that he thinks he deserves a personal, singling out thank you, then he's going to have to beat it out of me. But I don't think he can. I will say this, though. I've seen promos, I've seen people's promos that have pissed me off. Not one of them has inspired me to stand in front of a camera fondling at what looks like a disembodied testicle like he did wearing the daftest cardigan I've ever seen. I actually couldn't believe that was Brady Phillips. People have told me, like, my, Joe Connors is a great friend of mine and he speaks really, really highly of Brady. I've seen highlight videos of him. Rob Drake speaks highly of him. When I, when I saw that absolute freak on that, in that video, I couldn't believe that was actually Brady Phillips. So yeah. I'm going to meet Fed Fifth, Soft Pro. I'll meet him in the ring and we'll settle it there. There you go. There you go. That's the uh, official answer from Sam Gradwell. Brady, thank you for sending me your tweet. Yeah. Sam, I didn't want to upset you there, my friends. Are you okay to continue? Absolutely. We're okay to continue. But uh, let's bring up this picture here from this past weekend. Uh, your match yes. against uh, Priscilla, former guest on the show. Priscilla, queen of the ring, PCW yeah. champion against yourself, of course. And um, yeah. in Flamingos, your hometown, Blackpool. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
I, I don't know whether that's a, a, a place you frequent, maybe. I don't know. But on Saturday, I, you were I, definitely I, there. Never. Oh. I've never, ever. That was the first time I've been in there pre 4am. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I, I've been in there many times. Like That's the afters in Blackpool. That's the only place in Blackpool that's open official, officially till that 6am, but you never normally get out till closer to 7. So oh, it was... Like it, it, place. Yeah, that was... That was one of those days. That was just one of those days where you're in this night. You're in this nightclub, like this. You know, you're in what is a gay nightclub in the middle of the day, and watching a sausage roll death match, and England are playing. England are playing later in the day, and I'm wrestling a drag queen. That was one of them days where you're looking around and going, "Is this actually happening?" Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> like. But a hell of a match, um, and uh, like I say, I, I don't know whether you want to announce the outcome, but um, there were moments in that match where people yeah. in that audience thought that you were going to you were going to walk away with it. So did I, and I should have. I, I should have done. I think where I went wrong in that match was I humoured Priscilla's fun and games a little bit too much, um, instead of going straight for the kill. And I will not be making that mistake again. I, there, there will there will be a rematch. I can guarantee you that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and sticking with the Blackpool connection, uh, a man yep. that's been very much in the news, uh, of course, William yes. Regal, somebody you know very, very well. Uh, yeah. And there's a little picture of yourself and the great man uh, there. Uh, good times, good times. But um, what sort of interactions have you had with uh, with Sir William Regal over the years? Because once again, another Blackpool mm. lad cut his teeth, yeah. um, it, you know, the Blackpool p- Pavilion and um, up and down the country, of course, but a renowned uh, Blackpool lad. Uh, as you are as well. Sam, what sort of uh, relationship and um, interactions have you had with uh, William Regal? So, whoever whoever coined together the phrase, don't meet your heroes because they'll disappoint you, has never met William Regal. Because, like, hand on heart, he must be... He's probably one of the most influential people in my life, in certainly in the last 10 years or so. So, when I first met William Regal was at my first WWE tryout and he was the, he was the first person to kind of pull me aside and say, I think you've got something here. And like, when you, when you're a young lad and someone like William Regal, like in his position, who's been around as long as he has, someone that you've looked up to, when someone says that to you, like I, it's hard to say without you know sounding a bit cheesy and cliche, but it, it really does mean it, it does mean a lot, and it's it really does empower you, you know, beyond what you already thought you were capable of. And what William Eagle did for me was he put me in touch with Marty Jones um, and Johnny Saint, who then kind of retrained me. Um, he kept in touch with me, you know kept in touch with me at times when you know he, he didn't he didn't have to he responded to my every silly email and i would send him matches sending promo pictures and whenever they had anything come up in the way of like extra work or tryouts or there was one time when i helped out with the drills at one of the tryouts he would bring me in he'd bring me in just whenever he could just anything so that i could keep that foot in the door and so he could keep on monitoring my progress um, and he was—he was also probably—he was also probably the first person to tell me or figure out that I could talk. Like yeah. n- n- when I when I when I really when I really do think back. Um, so yeah, like he was, 
he was helpful and influential and a real sort of mentor and friend to me um, before I got signed. And then even more afterwards, like he was the person that, uh, so when the first UK tournament was happening, he was the person that made that phone call and asked me to, asked me to do that. Pretty funny story about that as well. Like I was uh, I was actually sat on the toilet at my nana's house when that happened. Um, I'd had I'd had a fallout with my girlfriend. Like she's upstairs now. Uh, we had a bit of a falling out, and I'd gone and stayed at my nana and granddad's for the night. And I woke up early in the morning, went and sat on the toilet, locked the door, and then I had this phone call from William Regal, and he's asking me if I'm available for the tournament. And while this is going on. My nana's banging on the toilet door, going, Sam, are you going to be long in there? <laughs> Your granddad needs it. You know he can't hold it. And I'm like, tell him to go outside. <laughs> uh, I'm sure if William Regal kind of twigged as to what was going on, he probably understood the humour. Because uh, yeah, as we know, yeah. he's got a fantastic sense of humour. Uh, so it's some great stories. I'm, I'm sure we'll talk more about William Regal, but uh, I want to talk about this guy here, Rob Drake. And yeah. uh, I know you know his brother James extraordinarily yeah. well, but uh, that was, I think your first encounter with Rob was at uh, UBW Unstoppable British Wrestling in Burnley a couple yeah, yeah. months back, and uh, you two had I've got to say a show stealing match, my friend, um, and uh, an absolute banger. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people will, will agree with me. But uh, was that your first encounter with Rob um, in the ring that night? Um, <laughs> that's the first time we'd wrestled for sure. Yeah, like we've we've um, we've trained we've we'd trained together before. I think once or twice at Fighting Spirit, but that was the first time we'd wrestled. Um, yeah, yeah, and Rob's Rob's Rob is excellent. I like he he was one of those guys that. Um, <coughs> sorry, I told you I've got a bit of a cold. Uh, right. <coughs> He's one of those guys though that when I did get re- when I did get released, and you know when, when you. When you get released from WWE, um, it's is it's very deflating. It's very depressing. Um, but watching hi- watching some of the highlight videos, um, I think he put a highlight video up of his match with uh, Philip Michael, who I also think is fantastic. Yeah. He had a he had an incredible match uh, with Rossi Rascal at PCW on, on Saturday. Um, it was a highlight video of a match that they that they had that made me that really motivated me like fuck like yeah like that's the kind of match I want to have that's that's the kind of guy that I want to wrestle and that kind of really really motivated me to keep going and thought oh do you know what like I I still want I still want to do this I still want to put together this body of work that I'm proud of and that makes people stop scrolling kind of thing yeah. Yeah. And, and Rob's such an extraordinary talent. I had him on the show, had him on the podcast a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, such such a, fanta- a fantastic guy. Uh, but he did Do say you, that... If, 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 well, if you close your eyes, if you close your eyes when you're talking to Rob, he sounds exactly like his brother. I was going to ask this. It's, it's he, scary. It's yeah. scary. He said the same thing. He said that when you... you I think it was a, a training session and yeah. uh, you couldn't believe that he was uh, you know, not James no. Drake. No. <laughs> Sounded like him, worked yeah. like him, uh, but uh, yeah, scary. <laughs> if, if you were on, if you would, if you were on the phone, you would not know who was talking. I'm surprised he's. Ne- I'm surprised he's never had any fun with that. <laughs> he oh, could get. He go. could get his brother into some serious <laughs> trouble. I imagine. <laughs> 
Oh, let's let's not put any ideas out there. So, but uh, yeah. I want to bring this up now, and uh, uh, the wrestling Coventry three and your match against yeah. Big Jim, Big Jim Diehard. Now I've seen some yeah. clips of this. Um, I love Big Jim. I've had him on the show as well. Um, He's a great good friend lad, of the yeah. podcast. But um, I know that you've you've possibly faced Jim before in tag matches when he was one half of the henchmen. Yeah, I believe. yeah. But but being back in there, twenty twenty two, fresh onto the Indies again, going up against Big Jim. Um, yeah. That must have been a pretty tasty encounter, and uh, like I say, two big guys going at it. Uh, what what's not to like? Exactly, yeah. Like Big Jim as well. Like, I've really, I, I, I hadn't seen him in the flesh in a long, long time. I like hats off to the guy because that is a different human than the guy that I met years ago when we were doing. Uh, it was actually <coughs> when he was um, when he was part of the the henchman tag team. Me and James yeah. Drake actually we wrestled them. Uh, at Butlins, if I remember, if I remember rightly, um, like my God, like the shape that Jim's gotten himself into, like every, every credit to him. Um, he's also one. He's also one of them lads, though. That I'm a I'm a big hard I'm a big hard hitting wrestler, and that's the style. That's the style I enjoy. It's the style that I like. Um, he was great to get stuck in there with. You know what I mean. Absolutely. And you did get him up. You did lift him up uh, over your shoulders. Oh, yeah. Did, oh, uh, yeah. Quite imp- I know you're a big guy, strong guy. I want to talk about your kind of strength in your physique soon. But, um, yeah. that, you know, that is a test of strength in itself. Nah, not for me. Not for you? All right, and I'll shut up. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> I'll shut up. Um, let's take it all the way back then, Sam. Uh, tell me a little bit about your, your, your early wrestling fandom. Uh, where did wrestling first come into your life, and what sort of impact did it have on you, buddy? Um, the first time, I, the first time I remember seeing wrestling was um, my granddad used to bring, he used to tape like them Sunday films for me, and he'd bring them round on VHS. And do you remember the, uh, do you remember that cartoon dinosaur film, The Land Before Time? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a classic. Absolutely. He brought round, so he'd taped that film for me. And for, for whatever reason, about three quarters of the way through that film, he'd obviously, he'd messed up when taping it somehow. And it just flickered over to Kane making his entrance. And I was I, I was genuinely hooked from that. I It was, I still remember like Kane making his entrance, fire going off everywhere, and his opponent, I, I can't remember who that was, but his opponent just stood in the ring as if it's the most normal thing in the world. And I remember just being like, sort of um just entranced by this well by the big red machine yeah yeah and i was i was hooked from there and i remember i started saying to my granddad can you just start taping that for me instead and he'd start bringing he'd start taping wrestling started taping raw and he was bringing that round for me and that was how i first started getting into wrestling and then i got got obsessed with uh got obsessed with stone cold like stone cold was just my absolute hero like he, he was just just the coolest man on earth. Still is. There's the greatest man ever the greatest man ever invented, I think. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And my next question was gonna be uh looks like similar subject, but so you're obviously yeah. a charismatic guy, a larger than life guy. What what sort of characters really gravitated towards you? You've already mentioned Kane and Stone Cold, two of the greatest, yeah. of course. Um, any others that you really kind of enjoyed watching or maybe had an influence on you in later life? Um <laughs> Yeah, when I was when I was young, it was it was the characters that really stood out to me. Like it, it really was the the, um, the cartoon characters that stood up to me when I was um, stood out to me when I was a kid. 
Like I loved Kane, The Undertaker, uh, like Stone Cold, The Rock. Just I, I love loved Hulk Hogan as well. Just it, it was it was just the big larger than life guys that really stood out to me. But then when you get older, you start appreciating like the technicians, like your Demolinkos, uh, like your Jerichos. And then when um, and then when the wrestling channel came on. Then you start discovering Ring of Honor and TNA and like New Japan and All Japan. Um, like there was F- FWA was on there as well, yeah. you know. And um, I started watching. Uh, it's funny, like I was watching Doug Williams uh, wrestle on. There, there, was, there was a time on the Wrestling Channel where on three back-to-back episodes, it was like FWA, Ring of Honor, and TNA, and Doug Williams was on every episode of everything. Tremendous. And I was like, and I was like, wow. I was like, I was like, this guy must, I was like, this guy is amazing. Like, how is he in so many places at once? Yeah. You know, and, um, and, and the fact that he's, the fact that he's still going now is insane. Yeah, and he still uh, he doesn't seem to age either. He, he looks as good exactly, as he does yeah, today, 20 yeah. years ago, but yeah, he looks so, but, tremendous. But, 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 uh, but to round that point off, yeah. Like I try and um, like like for me now, I try and take bits of all the people that I mentioned, you know, um, and obviously like you've also got like your world of sports, so you've got like your Marty Jones, your Johnny Saints, like your Dynamite Kids, everything. Every, every every wrestler that's kind of like resonated with me or had an impact on me, I try and take. Li- I just try and take little bits of everything. Like I try and take a little bit of that larger than life cartoon, a bit of that like hard hitting technical style. Um, and just sort of more, sort of just mesh it all together. Yeah. Right. Um, I'm going to bring some pictures up. I'm going to try not to embarrass you, but uh, tell us a bit oh, about this guy Jesus here. Jesus Christ. He it, it, it looks uh, very young there, maybe 17, 18 years old there. But uh, yeah. tell, tell, us, a it, about, tell us a bit about that. Take fella. it off. <laughs> um, yeah. Good looking chap there. Eh? Oh, no, no. I was a good looking lad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, oh god, yeah, um, yeah. So I, I used to wrestle as um, Ricky J McKenzie. Um, I was a very like sort of end dubs inspired <laughs> sort, of, <laughs> sort of thing. That, um, that was uh, like I was, yeah, I was very like hip hop inspired when I was younger. Like I used to listen to a lot. Of, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. I can't that. even. I, I can't even say it with a straight face. Man. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I was. Um, I would come out to like. I would come out to uh, Lloyd Banks, and I'd be doing all uh, like all the hip hop stuff. Like, I remember in my first ever match, which was it was against a guy that wrestled as William Gaylord, right? And he, um, like, you may know him now as Jerry Bakewell. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, he loves telling this story, like. My finish was a uh, my finish was a swanton bomb, and before the um, like, so before I went up to the top rope to go for the swanton bomb, and like, and the the crowd were uh, the crowd were quite up. The the crowd were up for it, and just as I was about to climb up, I shouted, "You ain't gangster," and it just a hush just fell across the crowd. Like they just went dead silent. Like what? And then I went up, missed the Swanson, and uh, the match went well and everything. But uh, he, he he loves telling that story. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to talk but, a bit about uh, GPW uh, in a minute. It was GPW, wasn't it? But uh, yes, I, I want to yeah. talk about your your physique because I will quickly bring it up briefly. 
because I 18, 19 years old, an impressive physique, and it's only got better through the years. Um, thank you, thank you. Well, absolutely. But um, tell us a bit about kind of you know how you've been able to get into such phenomenal shape, and I'm guessing that uh, going to the gym, lifting weights, yeah. has been a big part of your life from an early age, Sam. It's funny you should mention that because I actually, um, like so many wrestlers do, I have like terrible body dysmorphia. I, <laughs> whenever anyone like whenever which, which which you wouldn't think that from like from the pictures that I, from the pictures that I post like on Instagram and everything like that, like, you wouldn't you wouldn't think that I do, but it's genuinely been something that I've struggled with like since I, for as, for as long as I can remember really. Um, and that that does that does have a bit of a knock on effect, like um, into what I do in the ring sometimes because sometimes like if you like one of the matches in particular that I had in NXT UK, um, if you remember when I wrestled Von Wagner, yeah, I I was when I was stood next to the guy outside the when I was stood next to him outside the ring, I was thinking, wow, this guy like this guy's huge. It's the there's no yeah, I was like I was like this guy's huge. It's, no way, like no way, he can sell for me. No way, I can. Uh, no way, I can be. No way, I can be lifting him and throwing him around or anything like that. So, I wrestled this match. Is it? And it, we, it was like a big man. It was like a big man, little man match. But then when you watch it back, we're almost the same size. Like we're pretty much the same. Like I'm. Like he's a little bit taller, but like physique wise and body mass wise, we're pretty much the same size. Yeah. But I was just like incapable of seeing it. And that's been like a recurring thing throughout my wrestling career. I no matter how, no matter how like good my physique gets or how much bigger I get, for some reason I'm still mental. I, I can sometimes, I'm just mentally stuck as that skinny, lanky, seventeen-year-old just struggling to put weight on. But but yeah, just it, in answer to your original question, it, it is just a, a lot of like absolutely like. Sadistic, it's a sadistic level of dedication, a sadistic level of like attention to detail with stuff. Um, I, I'm getting a little bit better with it, like as the as the years go on, I'm I'm relaxing a little bit more. Um, but there were times when like I was that obsessed with eating chicken and rice every every two hours to the dot. The there was there was times when I'd be wolfing down a big Tupperware full of chicken and rice moments before i'm going out to wrestle and i'd be wrestling the match in just absolute gastric agony because i'm uh yeah. because i've just wolfed down this massive meal like in, in particular there was one of the um i two two times that i can really think of was once i'd wrestled zach gibson in warrington and i'd just eaten immediately before we went out and um i i went i did a top rope drop kick the one way you uh the one way you land on your back and as I landed, I just felt something sharply just shoot out of my ass. <laughs> and I was like... That was some chicken and rice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was that like... Um, look, look, luckily, it, it must have just been... It, I think it was just gas. Because I had oh, a... Yeah. I lay there, sort of had a little check. I was like, okay, yeah, I think I'm safe. Unless it flew out of the ring somehow. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, and, some uh, old lady's handbag or something. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, another time was um, when I wrestled Rampage Brown for the first time at Fighting Spirit, and again I just wolfed down, I'd wolfed down a big, a big Tupperware full of chicken and rice, and I think the first time he gave me a back club in the match, like 
everything that was kind of up here just moved straight into my intestines. <laughs> and I spent the uh I spent the rest of the match clenching. Yeah. I'm gonna but Go on. But so, sorry, but just ju- just so just so I am actually giving some sort of positive positive advice to anything to uh, people in regards to physique. Right? You can there's so much there's so much diet and training information out there, and so many people that you can go to. Like the biggest the, the biggest change for me was like um, was tracking tracking my diet. Um, there's websites there's websites where you can do that you know if you go onto google and put in cal- calculate my macros it's so so simple you can just put in your height weight age your activity level it'll tell you precisely how much how many calories how many how much protein carbs and fat you need to either gain weight maintain um change your body composition or lose weight and you can just download my fitness pal and go from there in regards to in regards to training a lot of it is just trial and error and finding what works for you. But there is that much good content out there, like on with like the Instagram era of fitness. You kind of do have to have a little bit more of a filter on. But yeah, you know, if you go on if you go on YouTube, go on Google. There's so much good information out there that you can't you can't really go that far wrong. A lot of it is just it's just consistency and just showing up and getting it done for the most part. Thank you for that. Some really, really good advice uh, indeed. And uh, like I say, I brought up the picture of you as a kind of young 18, 19 year old earlier, but uh, you cut your teeth in GPW, didn't you? Grand pro yes. wrestling um, yep. and uh, based out of Wigan, uh, based out of the, the Monaco ballroom. And uh, we've actually had yeah. somebody get in touch uh, to ask. Let's have a quick look if I can find it. I don't know if I can find it anymore, but uh, something about uh, da, 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 da. no, it's here we go. Uh, got a deep cut question. What's your favourite wow. match you ever had in the Monaco ballroom? So, so tell us about that because oh. GPW work that was their home for many years, wasn't it? And yes. that's where you cut yeah. your teeth. You probably had dozens of matches there. Um, my first ever match. Um, my first ever match there. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Tell us about yeah. about your your Monaco ballroom experience and uh, you know how influential that was on your early career. It's, yeah, that's that's a that's a real special place for me. And GPW is a really really special place for me. I Johnny Brannigan, who runs GPW, he was he was the guy that trained me, and he is you know. Meet, meeting Johnny is one of the things that I am most thankful for in like in my life in in my life. Yeah, you know, um, I can't I can't tell you just how much the guys how much the guys done for me. Um, you know, to this day, no matter what I do in wrestling or beyond, he's one of the first guys that I always want to text and tell or you know get in touch with. Um, so just huge thanks to him for everything he's done for me. Um, in regards to the Monaco Ballroom, though, like, that was the place that I had first. Um, so when I first started wrestling training, <clears throat> when I first started training, I didn't actually know that a British wrestling scene existed. I just Googled wrestling training UK. Uh, no, at first I Googled wrestling training Blackpool, and a guy came up who I'm not going to I'm not going to mention, but he. Uh, he tried he basically tried conning me and trying to charge me like five grand to be trained by him, but then told me, Don't worry, that's don't worry, that might seem like a lot, but that's what I get paid per match. Hmm. And I was like, I, and I was like 16, I was like, What? 
like count me in, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, like luckily I didn't go there. Um, so I went to my first couple of training sessions at GPW, and then they had a show that Friday. And I, I went along to it with such low expectations because I didn't know that the internet and social media wasn't what it was. And so I didn't know that a British scene existed. And I was just absolutely blown away by the standard. And the guys that were on the show was like Joey Hayes, Damon Lee, Sam Bailey. And there was some of the guys that aren't even, some guys that aren't even active anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, the quality, like, the quality was just unbelievable to me. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah so I remember, I remember watching like C CJ Banks, of course. Um, I remember there was a, there was a match between Joey Hayes and CJ Banks that I watched there live that just absolutely blew my mind. And to this day, when I'm, um, when I'm doing cardio, I'll, get that match up on youtube and i'll watch that and i'll do cardio to that and it still massively holds up to this day uh but in regards to my favorite match that i've had there that's pretty rough uh, that's a tough question there was a match that i had against a guy called juggernaut um who was he, he was only active for a very short time really um but that was that was really really special because that was i think that i think that was the first time i was ever the main event of a show um, or we were, he was the champion and I wrestled for the, I wrestled for the title anyway, even if it wasn't main event. Um, that was the first time that my mom ever saw me wrestle live. Um, so that was pretty, so that was pretty special for that reason. And Juggernaut also had like, he had quite a big hand in training me as well. Um, he was kind of like, the, so I, Johnny was the trainer, but then Juggernaut was kind of like, he's the top trainee. So he kind of yeah. had like quite a decent hand in training me there. Um, there was also there was, a, there was a match that I had with Joey Hayes there that I was really that I'm really proud of. I had a really good match with uh, Flash Morgan Webster there. Oh, Pete Pete Dunn. I that was that was definitely one of my favourite matches because we'd we'd kind of come fresh off the UK tournament, and that was that was that was the first time I think we kind of really. I guess that was the first time we kind of really felt like stars. And like, like Pete was. Yeah. Pete was obviously on a whole other level, but you know, for me to be able to just kind of ride his coattails for that night was that was really cool. Yeah, and uh, looks like GPW obviously uh, uh, a, a big part of your journey in the in the pro wrestling business. But I'm going to jump a little bit ahead here, and I want to talk yeah. about China uh, because in yeah. 2015 <laughs> yeah. was it 2015 you went over to China for a month. Um, yeah. and, uh, I mean, an incredible ex experience. Um, now yeah. a lot of my listeners might not be too familiar with the Chinese scene, probably, you know, if you're thinking wrestling over in the far East, yes, Japan's got a, an awesome wrestling scene as we all know, but probably not so much about China. How did you first get invited to go out there? First of all, Sam. Um, oh yeah. What a joke that was. <laughs> it was great though. It was like the, um, the China trips are some of the best things I've ever done in wrestling for all the, for all the wrong reasons, but they are they're some of the most fun that I've ever had. And if I, if I do nothing else with wrestling ever, the fact that wrestling gave me these ridiculous memories is, is to this day, just fantastic. So that came about was my friend, uh, my friend, Greg, who wrestled as voodoo. If I've got this right, what happened was, <clears throat> he went to university in Hong Kong 
found somewhere to train to wrestle over there and he found the HKWF gym, which was run by Ho-Ho Lun, who was in the WWE Cruiserweight Classic and spent a little bit of time in NXT. Um, He got in with Ho-Ho Lun and started wrestling a bit for HKWF and then um, through Ho-Ho made the connection with a guy um, called Paul Wong in China who wanted to run China's own... Who had the... The small ambition of creating China's own version of WWE, um, and I was just talking. I like I was just talking to Greg <clears throat> uh, on Facebook one morning, and he says, "Oh, by the way, I'm I'm going over to China soon." I was like, "What?" It's like, "What's in China?" He's like, "Yeah, apparently this guy's going to make China's own version of WWE." He was like, "I'll see if I can get you on if you want." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, sound." And then within the hour, he um, <clears throat> he was like. He was like, the guy's interested. Can you send over a couple of matches and a couple of promo pictures? So I sent a couple of matches, a couple of promo pictures. And then I got an email um, from a Chinese email address that said, hello, hello, Mr. Sam. You fight good, hard, sexy style. Uh, we would like to bring you to China. And I was like, <laughs> I was I like, but you thought, what, was, what am I, I signing like, up to here? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I think I just thought, do you know what? He's right. He's right. I, I do. So uh, I sent over my passport details. He um, he booked the flight, and off I was. Um, off I was going to to China. We had to go to. So I went to Hong Kong first because I was told that that's where I would be getting my visa from the embassy. Now, the Chinese embassy turned out to be the back. Uh, so you, you walked into this place called, um, I think it was called uh, Chunking Mansions, it was called. And it was like, um, it was like, what's that Star Wars quote? Like, never have you seen like a bigger, a bigger hive of scum and villainy. It was like this, it was like this horribly smelly indoor <laughs> market. They'd have like, uh, they were, they were selling like illegal. They're like selling like illegal fish, probably like contraband meats, like cigarettes, phones, just everything. And upstairs, you'd go up like thirteen floors in a lift, and you'd walk into this random room, and it was what looked like an abandoned doctor office, and it just had a piece of paper handwritten on the uh, on the door, visa office. Um, so that was where you'd go in and you'd hand this guy your passport and then within two or three days he'd give you the he'd give you the visa and he um i I, i've never ever been more terrified handing my passport over to a man in my life but he, he, he came through we got the chinese visa and about three days later off we flew to chongqing china and like when we landed in Chongqing, that was the biggest, like that was the biggest like culture shock I think I've ever had because Hong Kong's still very, very westernized. Whereas yeah. Chongqing, China is just rural mainland China. Like the people, people there have never, they, they'd never seen an English person. They'd like, they'd only seen people that look like me on TV when I was walking past them, they were just stopping in awe, taking the phones out and just taking pictures of me and then running for the hills. Wow. Like, it was the, uh, yeah. And um, the whole time, like, the, the whole time that this is going on, I'm just thinking, who is this Paul Wong? Who is this man that has bankrolled this nonsense? And 
the uh, we, so we go to the hotel, which is in the middle of nowhere. There's no way to get clean water. There's no way to get food. The Chinese men that I've been introduced to, they don't speak a word of English. So I'm just completely on my own. I've no no way of knowing what is what or where I'm going. All I do is go to sleep and wake up hoping for the best. And they they took me to this. Like at this point, I met the um, they had a, they brought a couple of Chinese wrestlers and an American wrestler over. So at least I felt like I was in the same boat with a couple of people with a couple of like semi familiar people. They took us to this massive skyscraper building, and on the top floor was this restaurant, and it was the kind of restaurant where you've got like this like this big fountain, these like big spinning tables with like these enormous like these enormous like glazed like turkeys in the middle <laughs> in the middle that have, st- that have still got they've still got the heads and feet and um they took us to this back room and there we meet like Mr Paul Wong and the first thing he does is just he looks at me and he hands me this he hands me this bottle this ominous looking bottle of white liquid and just says try the wine and I was like, no, I was like, oh, no, 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 sir, sir. Like, cause I, I was told that we were going to go and uh, train that day. I was told that that was going to be our first day of wrestling training in China. And he says, no, 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 you don't need to train. This is your first day in China. All I want you to do today is try the wine. And I'm looking at Ho Ho Lun and he's like, you'll be, he was like, it's, it will be horribly disrespectful if you don't try the wine. So I'm like, okay. And I just absolutely... <coughs> guzzled this stuff down and it was i it wasn't until after i'd had like a a sizable portion of it that i looked at the bottle and it was like 99.98 (laughs) percent alcohol but it didn't it doesn't actually taste that bad like it is a bit like you do feel it from like your head to your toe when it first hits your lips but after that like it's not it's not as strong as you think wow or so or or so i thought and then (laughs) We uh, we eat, we get downstairs, and as soon as the fresh air hit me outside, I was just falling about. I was I, I I've never ever I've never ever been so blind drunk in my entire life. And I would go and I turn to Paul Wong, who was then affectionately known as Drunken Boss, and said, "What are we doing now?" And he looks at me and he goes, "Now, you train." And I was like, unbelievable. What? Yeah. So he took us to his he took us to his wrestling gym. And that was how I did my first wrestling session in China. Not something I would ever recommend to anyone ever. Yeah. And after a year. There we go. Yeah, Don't Craig Ball's been in touch. But uh, yeah, thank you, Craig. Yeah. <laughs> so that first session, after about I think after about 20 minutes, I passed out asleep on the mats. And um Later on, I found out that they brought in some of the cameramen who were going to be filming the first show to film this training session, so that you could, so that they could get a feel as to how the show was going to run. And I and I think I was later told that they were filming and they were asking, so like the drunk sleeping guy, like is is he going to be there on the night? Like uh, like how like how should we film him? And they're like, no 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 no, just ignore him. He won't. He's not. He's not going to be there on the. He's not going to be there on the show. 
Oh, great story. Great story. And you, you went back there in 2018. So uh, I don't know if it was yeah. a similar experience, but... Uh, very similar. Um... Very similar. <laughs> Craig, the, Craig, uh... Craig Ball, CJ Banks, he was uh, yeah. he was there, as was Tim Wiley, Zach Gibson, um, <laughs> at Voodoo, Greg, of course, was there again. Uh, Pete Dunn was there. Um, and obviously Ho Ho Lun was Ho Ho Lun was on the tour. Yeah. Um the, the the funniest thing about the um the funniest thing about the visa experience on that one was a, a, a similar situation that happened where I ended up blind drunk and we walked into the we walked into the visa office and I was having to be held up by CJ Banks and Zach Gibson completely asleep. Like just completely, just comatose on my feet, slurring, and the visa guy looks looks at us and he goes, "Oh no, 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 no," but then points at Tim Wiley and goes, "Because th- th- we were applying for Chinese business visas," so he looks at Tim Wiley and he goes, "Businessmen can't have tattoos," but then pulls me in for my visa photograph and I'm just there like. <laughs> but he's uh, so he's got no he's got no problem with that. But Tim Wiley's tattoo on his visible tattoo on his shoulders was a complete no go. No, not happening, not happening. Um, yeah. And uh, 2016, I think, was was a real kind of breakout year for yourself, in my opinion. Checking back through your records because you seem to branch out quite a bit, uh, maybe different promotions across the UK. You obviously caught the attention of uh, uh, all the right people, and that was also the year when you were on WWE's radar for the 2017 UK tournament. Now, you said that you've had yes, yeah. other WWE tryouts. I don't know whether that was around the time of your first one, but uh, tell us a bit about... 2015, I think. Yeah, tell one. us a bit about 2016, because it seemed like quite a pivotal year where you were branching out quite a bit, getting the attention of uh, quite a few different promotions around the country. And then, of course, you must have caught the attention again of WWE uh, for, for uh, their UK tournament. So, like I say, quite an important <laughs> year for yourself. Yeah, so so I had my my first WWE tryout in 2015, and I, I I do genuinely think it was probably that thing of once once people once people hear that you've had a WWE tryout, um, people are a little bit more eager to use you and get in touch and everything. Yeah. Um, but that 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 was that that was when I had that conversation with William Regal, and he put me in touch with Marty Jones, um. So Marty was retraining me, and then once Marty's when Marty was training me, I'm wanting to put all these things that he's teaching me into practice. So I'm probably reaching out to a few more places. I think that was when I first started um, working for Brian Dixon as well, because um, that that was all that was always my ambition when I started wrestling. I, I I really really wanted to be around and learn from people that had done this for a living. You know, I, I really really wanted to learn from guys that did it as a career, um, guys that. Their, their sole income and the way that they paid their bills and fed the families was through wrestling. The guys that were doing it as close to, you know, 365 days a year as possible yeah. and still managing to still managing to stay healthy, never ever having time off injured or anything like that. Like those were the guys that I really wanted to sort of gravitate towards. Um, so I think that was when I'd really, I think that was when I'd got onto Brian Dixon's radar and I'd started doing like a few all-star runs um, I can't remember. I, 
you probably you you've, you've probably got a better idea than me now. Um, where where well, else? Sorry. Where <laughs> but, else? But you know where this is all leading. I mean, you know, this, this is all leading yeah. to to this picture here, Sam. And yeah, uh, yeah. look at that, uh, all of you fine gentlemen there in your your best suits. Um, and, and that was the announcement for the first ever United Kingdom Championship tournament, um, early 2017. This would have been probably in December 2016, that photo. Yeah, yeah, um, and was, I've spoken yeah. to a few guys that are part of that. I've spoken to Joseph and uh, Tucker and one or two others, Tyson, uh, T-Bone. And that they said that yeah. uh, it, it was all arranged uh, upon very short notice. And uh, you were given Incre- the call and told, to, told, was, told yeah. to come down to London with your best suit. So uh, give, give us your yeah. experience of that phone call. Um, so that was, um, so up until that point, I'd always kept a day job whilst I was wrestling. I was, I was like, uh, like to give you an idea as to how short notice that was, I was at the desk of my day job and I had to make a phone call um, to my girlfriend who was at home. And I was like, I need you to iron my suit right now. Like I need to come and grab my suit and jump on the train and jump on the train to London. Like, okay, why? Like, no time to explain. And it was like, uh, it was it was as quick as that, you know. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was such a surreal day. Like, I remember um, when that press conference happened. I had, I, I mean, I was getting texts from some of my friends uh, in wrestling saying, like, Jesus Christ, mate, you kept that one quiet. And I was like, I really didn't. Like, I found out. Like, I was like, I really didn't. Like, I've, uh, like, I found out. Like, I, I, I found out not long. Believe me, not long before you did. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. And I know it was a, a really exciting time, especially like say having followed the UK Indies uh, a few years prior to that, seeing some familiar yeah. faces on that stage, and a lot of the faces I probably didn't know as well that are about to learn a lot more about. But for yourself, it must have been a very special occasion for the two-night tournament, early January 2017, in your hometown was, of Blackpool. Yeah, the that, was, that was amazing. So many special kind of like uh, landmarks for yourself, being in Blackpool, the Empress Ballroom. Uh, like I say, you were you featured on both nights. You're part of a, a closing angle um, to, to close out yes. night one, weren't you, with yeah. Pete Dunne? Um, so... You must have been, you know, super made up with how you were featured over them two nights in your hometown, uh, in a place you probably know fairly well. T- tell us about that and your feelings around them two days. It's on, 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 honestly, it is just <coughs> it's it's such a blur. Like people, really? like people, have, yeah, people have asked me that so many times, and it was, um, and I can I can't really give that good an answer for it because it is just such a it's such a whirlwind. Yeah, like. I, it's almost like it, it feels like I wasn't actually there. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, it's almost like my memory of it is. I feel like my memory of it has been kind of replaced by what other people have told me about it, and like the footage I've seen from it, and, and those like that picture that you just, the picture that you just got up there. Like it was just, it was such such a whirlwind. And one thing that I do, one thing that I do remember, which is. Which I think was pretty cool was all my um, all my friends, like my like my real life friends that I've kind of grown up with. They were all like on holiday. I think in uh, I think they were in Thailand at the time, and they were all um, they were all crowded around like this one iPad, like trying to use this terrible Wi-Fi in some like bar in the middle of nowhere in Thailand, just so that they could watch, so that they could watch my WWE debut. And um, 
then every time the Wi-Fi would go, like they'd try and log on on someone's on someone's iPhone, you know, just to uh, so that they could so that they could watch it. Um, like I remember hearing about that; that was pretty cool. Um, but the yeah. um, the, the actual like the actual night itself is it's too much of a blur for me to even say. I do remember, like I do remember when I was wrestling Saxon Huxley on night one, and the Jesus chant started. I do remember that was the uh, so I just about held it together for the for the Jesus chance, but when they started going, "Let's go, Jesus, Jesus sucks." <laughs> that was like I do I do remember. I was a really, really like if you watch my face, I'm like really trying to hold it together. Yeah, just, yeah. That was. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that too. You just reminded me that was just hilarious. But uh, like I said, yeah. two nights were. I think they'll go down in in, in British wrestling history um, because of what they did uh, for, for you individuals and and just the whole yeah, atmosphere. It- um, it was just truly phenomenal. It was sea changing. And I know that UK, the UK indie scene was on a crest of a wave then anyway, and they, they had been for yeah. a couple of years, but that was really the, the peak, I would say. Um, and then, of course, not only that, but uh, late 2017 and 2018, you got the chance to go on the WWE live tours. So when the yes. main roster were yeah. over in the UK, uh, you were there with, with the main roster stars uh, performing yeah. around the UK, and that must have been a hell of a thrill for you. I don't oh, know if you've that, got that, any that more uh, any more clearer recollections of, of yes, uh, yes, I, yes, I do, I do. Some fun times there, Sam. Yeah, I mean, like as, as I say, like the, the UK tournament. I think one of the reasons it was such a blur is that this was the first time that any of us were like, like me in particular, that in my hometown. We was I was getting dragged in a million different directions for like media for media that I'd never done before. Like the Guardian, like filmed a little piece, and most of the, like, and then you're doing your sit, you're doing like these sit down interviews and still photos, and you're getting dragged in a million different, you're getting dragged in a million different directions. It's the first time that I've ever had a match that I've had to, um, that I've had to like go through an agent for, you know. Uh, so like, you're just being dragged in a million different directions at once, and it's all just so mind blowing to you that. It's hard to have that clear memory, but for the live tours, one of my um, one of my clearest memories of this was when I did the uh, I did the Dublin live event uh, versus Jordan Devlin. Um, but I think the I think the reason that I I think the reason that I ended up getting asked to do that was um, it was supposed to be Jordan uh, versus Pete Dunne, but <clears throat> Pete had just gotten so popular in NXT because he'd started going over there at that time, that they just, I think they just decided they wanted him in Florida. Uh, so they asked me to go and do the Dublin live event. And I got to the arena super early. And the, I think one of the ring crew just said to me, I just go and find, um, just go find somewhere quiet in the dressing room and just, you know, set your bag down and just chill out. So I went and found like what I thought was like a real quiet, out of the way dressing room. And put my bag there, got into gear, and I had to go down and I had to go down and film a promo that they were going to play for the for the live crowd that night, just to explain who who the hell I was, you know. And um, when I got back up to the dressing room that I'd laid my that I had my bag and gear at, um, I, I sat down and I looked at the chair in front of me, and I realised that Roman Reigns had set his gear over yeah. over the over the chair in front of me. So I was like. Oh shit! Like I've got to get, I've got to get, I've got to get out of here. Like I've got to get out. I've got to find a different room. And I, um, I go, I go to pick up my bag to leave, and Roman walks in and says, "No, no, no! You, you sit there. You're good." 
and he just sat chatting to me all night, like, and he was, oh, super uh, cool. Super cool. yeah, just, just, just couldn't, couldn't have been more down to earth, couldn't have been more cool. And then he watched mine and Jordan's match, and he gave, he gave some of the most helpful feedback I think I've ever had. Like, it, it's, it's one of those things. Like, you, I, I don't have any negative stories to tell about the. Uh, about my about my time there at all, no, no. which 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 a lot of people always find quite boring, or they think that I'm lying, or they think that you know I'm just I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the thing it's a, a, a political move by not by not saying anything bad, but I just I've, I've had a great experience with them. But they, you were living out your dream as well, weren't you, Sam? You were living yeah, out your dream, exactly, you know? yeah, yeah. And that was and, also uh, like, I think that was the biggest crowd that I've ever worked in front of as well. I think there was eleven thousand there that night, which yeah. was which was pretty wild. Yeah. Now, whilst I was doing my research, something I couldn't quite piece together, there, there seems to be uh, a, a, a gap of about two years of your career where you yes. kind of... Now, fill me in there, or fill our audience yeah. in. Was it injury, uh, just yes. life? Uh, what, what what was it that <laughs> kept you out for about two years then, Sam? Uh, so what happened was, I was I was actually on the busiest... Like, I, I was honestly, like, it's oh god, this is heart, it's heartbreaking. This man, I tell you, like I, I was on cloud nine. Couldn't have been happy with how my career was going. It was the busiest stretch um, of my career that I'd ever done. So I did a. Um, so I was I was wrestling on the holiday camps, you know. Uh, so you're doing, you know, sort of eight or nine shows a week there. Yeah. And then I went to went to went to China for three weeks. And I did like a really, really good tour there where we did, we, we were wrestling twice a day, every day for three weeks. Um, came back, went back on the holiday camps, did a couple of indies. We did the first ever set of NXT UK tapings in, um, oh, where was it now? Uh, Cambridge, Cambridge it was. Cambridge, yeah, yeah that's right. So I did the first set of NXT UK tapings there that went really well. Um, went back to China for a show and in, and th th this is all like without. This is pretty much without a day off at this point. But this is what you've, this is what you've dreamed of. This is what you want to do. Um, I was just loving life. And in that show in China, like what happened was, uh, because I've had knee surgery before, I always do like a pretty thorough warm up on my knee. You know, I, I never ever. Yeah, stretch and warm up for quite an extended period what happened there was me and james drake had traveled to china and due to a problem with flights we'd had like a ridiculous layover uh in amsterdam then there was a there was a delayed flight um somewhere else and all i think it was a lot it was just a load of travel issues that ended up with us going like 48 hours with no sleep we'd got to the hotel in china and then for whatever reason, I was just wired and couldn't sleep. So I went to the gym and trained legs, which was very weird. And then um, we just went to the show. And as soon as we got backstage, I just conked out asleep. I know that I'm wrestling on the show. I was main event uh, wrestling Ho Ho Run uh, in a lumberjack match. And I said, before I went to sleep, I think I said to, I said to Ho Ho, I was like, can you wake me up at the interval? And he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And I was um, I was jolted awake by him. And I was like, oh, great, is it the interval? And he goes, no, your music's playing now. No. So, I was like, <laughs> so I was like, what? 
like just slapped myself in the face. Like I'd, I'd gone to sleep with my gear on, ran out. We did the match, uh, but during the match, I just heard this loud pop in my knee. And but weirdly enough, like I got back up and finished the match fine. So I assumed that everything. I assumed that everything was okay. But when I got to the when I got to the next set of NXT UK tapings in Birmingham, when we did the routine medical there, they always give the surgically repaired knee like a little bit of a sort of extra looking at. And they said, um, like the, the when they when when they held the knee joint and started moving it about, it was just moving all over the place. And I was like, I was lay there on the bed and I was like, I, I looked at the doctor's face and I was like. Yeah, that's not good. Uh, so he was like, "Yeah, I, I can't let you. I can't let you wrestle." He said, "If he said if this had happened a couple of weeks earlier, I'd have been able to give you the choice, but this was this was just after Nixon Newell had just injured Herney, and they said we gave we gave her the choice. She, as all wrestlers do, chose to carry on, and she injured herself further. So we're just not putting the decision in your hands." Like you need to get surgery and get that fixed. So it was a case of waiting a waiting on an NHS waiting list to get an ACL reconstruction, getting the ACL reconstruction, and then rehabbing it. And for all the um, you know, as great as NXT UK you know was, and as fantastic as the medical staff were, with an ACL rehab, you really need to be kind of you kind of need one doctor like one sort of person overseeing it what what happened in the early days of nxt uk was a different a different american doctor would come over for every camp so and no i I think just no two doctors have the same way or have the same sort of guidelines for rehabbing an acl so like one doctor would be like yeah that's fine you'll be ready to go in a month Another doctor would be like, oh, we're going to need another six months on that. And then, you know, and then it'd be like the next time, um, it'd be, a, well, it'd, it'd essentially be a different doctor again. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, of course. The, the same thing, the, the, the same thing would kind of happen. Same thing would kind of happen. So the rehab period just took a lot longer than it should have done. And then once I finally did get cleared, I did a, um, I was having a training match with RP Davis and uh, I got my jaw broken. So cheers for that, Ryan. Cheers for that, Ryan. <laughs> and uh, so that, that took me out a little bit longer as well. So that, that was, that's the explanation for the gap. But I will yeah. say, I, w- I will say that that two years might've been the most beneficial of my entire career, which may surprise you because whilst that was happening, um, I was, you may have seen some pictures on my social media of me um, in gorilla position with a headset on. Uh, so that was what I did. I was timing. I was timing the shows um, in the production aspect of things the whole time I was out injured. So when I had that headset on, I can the whole time I've got that headset on. I can hear Shawn Michaels, Matt Bloom, William Regal. I can hear the guys in the production truck. I can hear exactly. I can hear exactly what they like. I can hear exactly what they don't like, and that just made me a better wrestler. That just made me a better wrestler. Yeah. I could see, I could see everything that, I could see everything that was bad or wasn't so good, and that the that the camera guys in the truck were trying to hide, or that they were trying to make look better, and it just, 
I stole so much. I, I just took so much knowledge yeah. from that and just applied it to my own stuff. And, it, and, and, also, and also it forced me to watch every, it, it forced me to watch every single bit of every single match. And it just, it really, really challenged me to make everything that I did different to everything else that was already on the show. Phenomenal. What a great story. What a great story. But, uh, and of course, you know, you've already mentioned it. Um, you did make your return at the BT Sports Studios uh, yeah. back end of 2020. Um, and and then throughout, like I say, the, the remainder of 2020, 2021 uh, into 2022, you were featured uh, heavily. So many kind of great storylines, matches, feuds. Yeah. Um, the, the first one I want to start with, I think it's from about March 2021. And we've got to start yeah. with uh, Ilya Dragunov and the, the programme you had yes. with Dragunov. Um, yeah. and I, I, I re-watched the, uh, the no disqualification <laughs> match back this afternoon in preparation yeah. for this. Yeah. Um, and just what what a match, what a story you two told, the physicality, uh, the emotion, yeah. like I say, and in front of no fans, uh, but you two just ate it up and beat the shit out of one another. A, a great match. Yeah. Take my hand yeah. to you. But uh, tell us about your series, your program with Dragonoff. Um, yeah, that was. I mean, I, I can't say enough good things about about Ilya for that because Ilya was. I think. I, I think originally that was kind of supposed to be one and done with me and Ilya, yeah. but Ilya was way way more generous with me than he had to be um and he, he just he play he just abs he's just mental isn't he like he's just absolutely he's intense yeah he's just he's just <laughs> absolutely he's just absolutely mental and he just he just ate up that storyline he really really did he um he played his part so so well and it, it's it's so hard not to you know get caught up in the I, I, I always think that the, the the best wrestlers never ever leave the moment once they're in it. Like you, once once you're in there, you should never ever leave that moment. You should just remain. You should remain in it the entire time. Like you'll see sometimes, and this is usually the difference between like a trainee or a less experienced guy and a more experienced guy. You can see that a trainee is often. You can see where the cogs are turning and they're thinking yeah. about what's next or they're trying to remember what's coming, or they're trying to remember a spot. Whereas a more experienced guy is just in that moment. They're just so in it, and they're just living it. And that's that's exactly what Ilya is. He just he, he just becomes embodied by the character, embodied by the moment, and embodied by the story he's trying to tell. And when you're in there with someone like him, I, you, you kind of, by osmosis, you just kind of get sucked into that as well. I, that was just one, that was, and obviously when you're hitting each other that hard, how can you not be, <laughs> you know, in the moment too? But that, that was, that was a really, really good memory because that, that was also, after that match, I think that was the first time, um, when I got back to the hotel that night, I got a text from Matt Bloom uh, to tell me what a good job he thought I'd done, which was really, which meant a lot as well. So I think that was the first time I'd ever really said much to him. Yeah, um, yeah Absolutely. Um, and, and other highlights, um, your, your series of matches with, with Kenny Williams, including the, the back alley brawl, the matches yes. you had with Trent Seven, including I think your second to last match in NXT UK was against Trent Seven. You mentioned yes. Von Wagner uh, teaming with Saxon Huxley on occasions uh, with NXT yeah. UK. That was so, that, that so was many actually, fantastic memories there for you, Sam. I will say, like, my, my favorite memory might have been um, for, for a completely different reason to everything else. 
that <laughs> random tag match with me and Saxon Huxley versus Pretty Deadly yeah. might be one of my favourite memories because that was again that was that my search for a tag partner. What happened there was um, that was that that was supposed to be nothing. Like what happened there was the original match was supposed to be me and Mark Andrews versus Pretty Deadly, but Mark Andrews got injured. So they replaced him with Saxon Huxley and they were like, okay, so there's not really much way we can cover this storyline wise. So we're just going to have you search for a partner. And I was like, okay, well, I'll have a little bit of fun with that then. Um, just to try and pad it out and make something a little bit more with it. I started tweeting random, I started tweeting random celebrities and random people. Like I tweeted Paul McCartney and Elon Musk and Stone Cold. And then I started filming videos. Then I started filming videos of myself um, at the McDonald's drive-thru, asking them to be my tag team partner. Then I was ringing takeaways and asking them to be my tag partner. And I was filming videos around the performance centre, just for my own amusement, just for, entirely for my own amusement. And then a day before the show aired, um, one of the producers of the show emailed me and said, I love, the, I love the stuff that you're tweeting. Can you please send me the files of every, every video that you've tweeted? And they put together like a five-minute package Brilliant. of all these videos and actually slotted it into the episode. So what was originally slated to be like a six-minute segment on the show ended up like a 15-minute segment on the show just because I, I decided to tweet all this nonsense so hey. I think that might, that might have been my, my crowning achievement in my own mind. <coughs> Absolutely. And uh, I'm just going to bring up some pictures here. Um, look at that. That that just, I mean, oh, yeah. the stairs, the chairs, some of the bumps that you guys took in the ring with the, with the chairs there as well. And uh, uh, Noam Dar getting, getting a slap for his troubles there. Um, but uh, fantastic time. Like you say, you know, you're going to look back on uh, your NXT UK WWE experience with very, very fond memories and uh, what you learned under that umbrella. You, you know, you, you, you can't you can't buy that sort of um, that sort of uh, knowledge, can you really? And uh, uh, some great stories there. Um, we have had some more questions coming. Let's have a quick yeah. look if I can get myself organized here. And uh, Darren Ewan uh, sent us a question before we went live. Do you have any goals to wrestle at some point in Japan? So we've mentioned about the Orient and wrestling over in China. Uh, what yeah. about Japan? I mean, uh, like I say, uh, we all know that uh, some of the best wrestling in the world happens in the Far Absolutely. East over in Japan. Uh you know, do you think they can accommodate a, a Sam Gradwell at some point? Absolutely. I mean, it's it's actually with with the way that the uh, with the way the pandemic and everything has gone, it's actually very hard to. It it, it was. I, I don't want to say too much, but it was something that has been it has been looked into. It's hopefully on the cards in the future. Um, the way the pandemic's gone and the way the world is at the minute. Travel over there is quite yeah. diff is quite difficult, but Slowly it is enough, isn't it? Slowly, yeah. That that's it. It is it is a um, it is definitely a goal of mine, though. It is it is something that I I would hate to finish my career and having having not done that. Yeah, and uh, Adam Wright watching us via YouTube and waiting very patiently. But uh, hey, Sam, any advice for a newbie wrestler? Uh, he's 21, three months in so far to his training, wondering nice. on some advice uh, and finding a persona and learning 
to uh, learn to commit in ring. So any kind of yeah. advice for someone that's been in the, uh, the, the the business training for the last three months and just maybe some some uh, takeaway advice that you could give our friends, Adam, there? Just reps, reps, reps. Just, you know, there's absolutely no substitute for it. Um, don't pigeonhole yourself into any one thing. And what I will, what I will say is... One thing that has really, one thing that's really served me well is like when you're out, when you're out with you, as, as far as like finding a persona, when you're out with your mates in real life and you sat around the table or you just, I don't know, you sat pre drinking or something like that, when you're there, like what aspect of your personality is it that people seem to react to? Do you know what I mean? Like what is it that mm. people seem to like, what is it like that people seem to latch onto and what is it that draws you to people? And sort of use that as use that as a starting point, you know. Find out what it is about yourself that kind of you know, and you can experiment with that as well. You know, a good a good a good training school that does promo classes. Like if you can get to a Chris Brooker promo class, fantastic because he's fun. He's fantastic at that kind of thing. Um, just ex- experiment. Don't. Yeah. Don't limit yourself or pigeonhole yourself into any one area. Just the the will. You're so young. You're so you're in the embryonic stages of your training career. Yeah. So just enjoy it, soak it up, and you know, have have fun. Have fun. Commit to it, and just reps, reps, reps. There's no there's no substitute for it. Great advice. Great advice. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for watching, Adam. Uh, but before we kind of close out this episode of Wrestling with Johnners, um, looking into 2023, just around the corner, looks like you've had a, yep. a fantastic uh, uh, resurgence back on the UK scene in 2022 after a, a glowing time in uh, WWE, of course. Uh, what does the future hold for you? You've got some uh, exciting prospects coming up. I think a trip to Pakistan and, like I say, Solve Pro yeah. and various other things. Uh, what, what's uh, uh, in, the, in the pipeline for Sam Gradwell? And, uh, you know, where would you like to see yourself in another six months? Yeah, you know, uh, yes, I go to Pakistan Thursday morning. I'm there for five days. Um calendar is filling up quite nicely for 2023 already uh, yeah. there's a few new there's some debuts for some new promotions that i've never worked for before um I, for me i just want to all i want to do is just keep producing a body of work that i'm proud of <laughs> you know i want to i want to have match like I, i'm at the point now where i want to have matches and produce content that people can watch and enjoy and learn from and I just, I want to be a guy that, you know, I kind of want to be a guy that the the younger talent can come to and look up to and sort of lead by example to them. And I just want to, I want to create, I want to put a package out there that you can't find yeah. any holes in. I want to, I just, I want to be the absolute best that I can be. and then wherever that takes me great you know what i mean i so 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 long so long as i'm happy with the work i'm putting out there and you know i can keep on getting better and i'm producing stuff that i can be proud of then i'm happy with that and i feel like everything else will take care of itself i always find that i spent i I spent a disproportionate amount of time and energy in my younger years 
so worried about getting signed, so worried about being seen and who was seeing me and where it was going to take me. I that's almost I that's kind of looking at things the wrong way around. Whereas instead of worried about being seen, I should really you know, you really want to work on becoming something that is worth being seen. Yeah. And that's kind of where I'm at now. Absolutely fantastic. Well, I think you're at the kind of the, the peak of your career at the minute with everything you know and everything you're doing. But uh, before we ask you for your socials, I do need to quickly throw yeah. out who my next guests are going to be on Wrestling with Johnners. Please do. Uh, so already this month, we've had uh, Zach Knight, fantastic guest last week, spent an hour and a half talking to us about his amazing career, his fantastic family uh, and everything else. So go and check that out. Uh, we also spoke to uh, Paul Ash, renowned trainer, promoter and wrestler last week. Uh, we've obviously got uh, the wonderful Sam Gradwell with us this week. Next week, next Wednesday, the 21st, I've got the wonderful Aluna Blue coming on the Red Wrestling with Jonas podcast live. 8 p.m. UK time, Wednesday the 21st. And then, uh, although it's not live, you may have already checked out part one of my interview with Adrian Street and Miss Linda. Part two drops uh, towards the end of the year, so the 28th of December. Check that one out. Before you do, check part one out, which was absolutely fantastic. And part two of my uh, interview with Adrian Street and Miss Linda drops on the 28th. Uh, so a real stacked uh, month for Wrestling with Johnners. And if you tune in to my interview with the Luna Blue next Wednesday, you'll get to hear my entire lineup for January. And it's absolutely tremendous. Uh, the very best UK talents coming on the Wrestling with Johnners podcast um, in January and uh, every month in 2023. But uh, Sam, while we got you here, if there's any of my uh, listeners or viewers that want to reach out, say hi, learn more about Sam Gradwell, maybe check out YouTube, buy some merch um, or anything like that, my friend, where can they reach out to you? And if it helps, I do have a little ticker running along the bottom of the screen. Oh, there we go. You've um, you've done the job for me there. There we go. Even... Sam Gradwell one on uh, Instagram and Twitter, Sam underscore Gradwell. But uh, Sam... I just want to thank you so much for your time, my friend, and uh, oh, coming on the show and being a fantastic guest this week. Um, but uh, um, I, I think your audio might have just dropped out slightly there. But um, uh, let's have a look. You hear me again? Yep, yep, just about. Uh, but uh, Sam, you've been an amazing guest on this week's episode. Um, I want to thank, thank you, you so mate. much for your time. And thank you so much for being a great guest. Thank you for having me. I'll see you soon, mate. Take care. <laughs>